Thank you for joining us for the study of God's Word today. Grab a Bible and listen carefully as God will be speaking to us through His Word today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Thank you guys for that. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everyone this morning. Um, welcome to the youth service, as we talked about. I'm coming up on a year, uh, February 1st, of being here in this role as the director of um, high school and college ministry. So that's been a treat. It's been a real treat to be up here in this pulpit. I've been coming to this church for over 10 years, and so really got saved here and chose to follow Christ here and learn what that means. And so it is just a complete privilege and honor to be up here to, to share with the congregation that has meant so much to me in my own spiritual journey. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43, if you want to turn there, or if you held your place. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll start. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to come here, Lord, and dig into your word. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me to us, that it would not be my words, but your words that we would consider and that hearts would be stirred up to follow you and that we would not just be hearers, but doers of your word. That we'd have open hearts to hear and open ears to listen and that it would change us. So all glory to your name this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So to start off, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever been given a second chance before? Whether that was with a person, maybe it was in a relationship, or it was at a job, maybe it was at a sport or some activity you were involved in. Maybe even a second chance to live. Somebody may have had a situation where you had a second chance at life, even. Something went wrong the first time, or you made a mistake, or things didn't pan out the way you had hoped them to pan out. And if you thought, if I had one more chance at this situation, one more opportunity, I would do it differently. Maybe 2021, as we start a new year, it wasn't the year that you had hoped it would be. Maybe you missed some opportunities that you were given. Or you made some mistakes you would change if you could. But it's 2022, and you can't go back and redo those things. Second chances are awesome, aren't they? And we're given them from others. So as we continue in this new year, I was thinking about this over the Christmas holidays, that every day is a gift. It might sound cliche, but it's very true. We take things for granted, but every day is a gift. Every day is a new opportunity to serve the Lord, to make the most of your life that you have. Recently, my sister was in a car accident, and thank the Lord she's doing better, but it was pretty severe, and it caused me to stop and think about how life is so short, and the days are numbered, but we can make the most of the ones that we have, and we should make the most of the ones that we have. So if you're alive here today at this worship service, you have another chance to really make the most of this day to follow Christ and place your faith and trust in him. Because Jesus specializes in second chances, amen? He can take the broken things and make them whole. He calls us out of darkness into marvelous light as we're going to consider this morning and the story of this man named Bartimaeus receiving his sight. He was in a tough, hopeless situation and he met the Lord Jesus who he had heard about. And this man, Jesus, gave him a second chance. He gave him a second chance with his life, to not waste it. He was in a tough circumstance, and Christ changed him. He was a man who had lost it all, but he had heard about the Lord. And his faith in Christ, his step of faith, 
in the midst of opposition brought him a chance and he was not going to waste it. So as we begin, I want to talk about faith a little bit, about what, what is faith? And my favorite definition would be Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and conviction of things not seen. Being sure about what's something you can't see, which can be a challenge we know. This is how we are called to walk in Scripture. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth, and that's demonstrated by actions and also words, and how we live our life. I think about times as a player and a football coach, and I had to have faith and trust in my players, I had to have faith in my coach as a player and faith in my players as a coach that they were going to do what I asked them to do. They would complete their assignment, that they would give effort, that they would do their job. But I couldn't just tell them that and say, I have faith in you, son, to go out there and do your job, and then never give them an opportunity. Otherwise, that would be no faith at all. I had to give them a chance to go out there and prove himself true. And in the same way, our faith grows in the Lord when we give him a chance to do what he says he's going to do. And we give him a chance to prove himself faithful. So why is faith in Jesus so important? Well, we know from Scripture that faith alone brings salvation. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Many of you know this, as for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It is a gift we receive from the Lord. Faith brings salvation. Faith also brings justification. Being made righteous in the sight of God, declared righteous in your position, just as if you had not sinned in his sight. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We, under, we understand faith is important. We see also faith pleases God. One of my favorite verses in the, that great chapter of Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, Hebrews 11.6, And without faith is it impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Are you one that seeks God? Do you have faith in him? So we see faith pleases God. And we live in a world that lives by sight and makes decisions on physical circumstances. And before we knew the Lord, that's how we made decisions also. But the follower of Christ is to do things differently. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 talks about walking by faith and not by sight. Living all of your life based on confident trust in God's promises for the future. So we know this is important. We also understand this, though, that walking by faith can be challenging, amen? It can be difficult at times, if we're really honest. It's the body of Christ. And so what, what makes this challenging? I thought about my own life and the situations I encounter, but what makes faith challenging? Looking at Scripture also. And uncertainty, I think, makes faith challenging. We like to make decisions knowing the outcome first, being certain about our decisions. We like certainty. I like certainty. But faith calls for uncertainty, which can breed fear. Fear of what's going to happen. And we, and we see this in Scripture also. But what did Jesus do with his disciples when he said, come follow me? Did he teach them, did he show them the whole picture and say, here's the five-year plan, here's the ten-year plan of following me, here's the twenty-year plan? He didn't do that, did he? He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. He said, come and see what I will do. So faith moves forward and believes even when fear is present. Another issue that comes up in the issue of faith is seeking control of our lives. I like being in control and things happen in our life that show us that we're not in control. Also facing difficult circumstances. How about Abraham when God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac, his one son who was his promise? 
he felt this contradiction of faith. But he took a step of faith and believed that even if he died, God could raise him from the dead. And he's our example of a man who lived by faith. Or the Apostle Paul on his journeys, he had a few afflictions, right? He had a few hard times. He had to take steps of faith all the time. His journey was a journey of faith, of God bringing him through hardship and rescuing him all the time. And God would speak to him at the perfect time and tell him, you're going to make it. He despaired of life. Are you in despair this morning about a situation? Put your faith in the Lord. Don't be anxious. Or about the disciples on the lake in the storm with the sleeping Jesus. They're in this storm. It's a gale. They're in danger, right? And they look over, and what is Jesus doing? He's awake? No, he's asleep. <laughs> and they're like, Jesus, don't you care about us that we're perishing? I read that story, I'm like, that would be me. I'd be standing there saying, hey, Lord, uh, I don't know if you see, but there's a hurricane here, and we're in a wooden boat, so I need some help, right? And he wakes up, and he says, where is your faith? And what does he do? Stop. I mean, just imagine that. Mind-blowing, right? But that is our Lord. Who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? That is the Jesus that you are following. The disciples had fear, but Jesus is the one that could give them the faith. They need to put their faith in him. Another thing is that many times walking by faith requires patience. And if you're like me, patience can be difficult at times. Waiting can be hard. It takes faith to wait on the Lord for his timing. This was the sin of the issue of the prodigal son was impatience. He wanted it now. He didn't want to wait for his inheritance. He wanted that now. And how many times do we want something now? And the Lord says, wait, have faith, wait. It's coming, just wait. And we want it now and we can't wait. But as we grow in our faith and we, and we fix our eyes on Christ like this man did in this passage, we, have the, we can wait expectantly and hopefully and not be impatient. We can also face opposition as we're going to see today, that this man faced opposition from the crowds that were with the Lord. We have an enemy seeking to devour and destroy us and discourage us. He is the architect of discouragement. And that can really cause us to struggle in our faith of being discouraged with our life and where we're at and what God is doing to get our eyes off of God and on our circumstances. But we know that is not what we are called to do in Scripture. And even sometimes we forget what our God is capable of. Even John the Baptist sent to Jesus, his disciples, to ask, are you, are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? And what was the response of Jesus in Luke 7, He answered him and said, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. But look at what I, look at the things that I have done. I have proved myself. I am here. I am the one. So although, although at times difficult, we know the righteous are to live by faith, and we should long to be faithful people. So we see in the Gospels, Jesus rewards those who have placed their faith in Christ. And they believe that he can work miracles and do the impossible. I could list several accounts, some that stood out to me were the centurion in Luke chapter 7, who had a sick servant, and he told Jesus to say the word, and my servant will be healed. Have you ever been a say the word disciple, where you believe that if Jesus could say the word and change the situation? How the power that Jesus has. Or the bleeding woman in Luke chapter 8 who thought who came and touched the garment of the Lord to be healed. And he was looking around like, who touched me? And she didn't want to tell him that it was her. And she, she I'm found out. I have to tell him. And she tells him why she did it. And he sees her faith, her desperate faith, just like Bartimaeus today. 
and, he, and her faith is rewarded. Her faith has made her well. And so as we jump into this portion of scripture in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to see Jesus in this narrative traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem. And we have this crowd with him. And we know the crowds followed Jesus for different reasons. Some were committed disciples. Some just saw him doing miracles and wanted to be a part of it. Some just want to see a crowd and jump in. <laughs> they don't know where their heart is. They just want to go with the crowd. So he was popular. And so they're traveling through. And in chapter 18, we see him share parables on being persistent in prayer. And also the parable of the Pharisee and tax collector to show that the humble heart of the publican is what we need to have in coming to the Lord. And we're going to see this humility in Barmaeus today. And then we see this story of Jesus speak to the rich young ruler. A man who has everything, who can see, but there's the one thing he does not want to surrender to God. He keeps the commandments. He's kind of proud about them. And what did Jesus tell him to do? To sell his possessions and come follow me. And he can't do it. And it's awesome. The very next passage is a man that's blind, that has nothing, that can't see. He has a cloak. It's all he has. And he throws it off and says, I want to follow Christ. He sees the prize that Jesus is. So that all brings us to our text today. As they're traveling through this crowd of people, and we're going to see this encounter of Christ with a blind man, a man who has nothing, and he puts all of his trust in the Lord, this leap of faith in front of the crowds. He can't even see him. And instead of leaving very sad like the rich young ruler, we see him encounter and we see him follow Christ, glorify God, and cause others to praise God. So we're going to see the conditions of faith first, the conditions of Bartimaeus' faith and we're going to see the results of Bartimaeus' faith. The conditions of faith and the results of faith. So if we want to look down at verse 35, the first condition of faith we see here is being helpless. Verse 35 says, As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. And so we know Christ was very focused on his mission at this time, on his way to Jerusalem. But he allowed time for interruptions. He allowed time for those that he met along the way. And we know that God is the God of divine appointments. Amen. There are no coincidences with the Lord. He is a God of divine appointments. There are no lucky meetings. There's no luck. Only the sovereignty and the providence of God in our life. So there's no coincidence that this man, Bartimaeus, was going to meet Jesus on this road. So this man is Bartimaeus. We see that from the Gospel of Mark. Son of Timaeus. Right? They, uh, Mark recounts this with two blind men, but there's no contradiction here. Right? Luke focuses on him, on the outspoken one that really speaks out on his faith. This man is blind, and that we know being blind in these times means a few things. He was helpless and at the mercy of those who would pass by. He can't really do much at all. He can't work. He's stuck in this situation. His family's not there taking care of him. He's at rock bottom. Others pass by on the road and say he's hopeless. There's no hope for this man. Leave him alone. He's on the sidelines, and he's out of the game. He's stuck in this situation. We see he wasn't born blind either. Later on, we're going to see he wants to regain his sight. So somehow, over the course of his life, he lost his sight. He wasn't always in this situation. So you could think he had a life. You picture this situation. He had a life before being blind. He could work, what he, do what he wanted to do, work where he wanted to work, go where he wanted to go. And all of a sudden, this was gone. It was taken away. His opportunities were gone. So you can imagine, sit, imagine him sitting here, hoping and praying to have one more chance to see, have one more opportunity. What he would do if he could see again, what would he do if he could see again to go out and live differently? As I read this passage, I was struck by that. I would take things like that for granted in our life, how that would change. 
if we had another opportunity to see. And so here's this opportunity for him. He's helpless, can do nothing to help himself. And just like us, when we were dead in our sins, we were helpless and could do nothing to help ourselves. So you may have heard that faith is like a muscle and it grows when you exercise it. So how do we do that? If I were to ask you this morning, how, do you, how does your faith grow? How do you exercise your faith? We said earlier, you have to give the Lord a chance to work. You have to believe and have action with that. And we see that here with this man. So that's our setting here. That the Lord is on a path, but he has time for this man. So the setting is you have to be helpless. He wasn't prideful like the rich young ruler was. He was helpless and needed help. Verse 36, we see the next condition. His faith came by hearing. His faith had come by hearing. Now, hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. Verse 36. Verse 37, they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He had heard about the Lord. He had heard about the Lord. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When we hear the gospel message, when we hear the message about Jesus, the Holy Spirit opens our hearts to understand this, to believe it, and to respond to it. And I pray today, if this is you in your chair, that he, the Holy Spirit would do that. As you read in our psalm, that you would not harden your hearts to what the Lord is speaking to you today, or what he would have you do. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says that no one could confess Jesus as Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. So his faith had come from hearing. He had heard about Jesus of Nazareth and had believed him to be the son of David. Interesting note there. He says son of David, his messianic title. He knew the prophecies of Isaiah and the Old Testament. We just celebrated Christmas and the coming of the king. And the prophecy that was spoken that Christ fulfilled. That there would be a son coming from the lineage of David that will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so like, unlike many in the Gospels, this blind man could only hear about Jesus. He couldn't see him. He heard about him. And I thought about Thomas in John chapter 20, when Jesus tells him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas had to see, but this man couldn't see. He just heard. But he was helpless, and he knew Christ could help him. This man was also patient. He had heard about Jesus and his miracles and was hopeful that one day he might come down this road and it would just so happen to meet. So to, to get this picture, you see a blind man waiting, patiently praying that this Jesus who he had heard about would come and maybe, just maybe, have mercy on me. He had prayed, most likely, and prayed and prayed in darkness that one day this may happen. Are you waiting right now for Jesus to act in some way? Are you waiting on the Lord in a situation? Has it been a long time? Does it feel dark We'll wait on the Lord patiently because he is coming. He cares about your situation. There are no coincidences with God, only divine appointments. Waiting can be difficult as we've discussed, but the Lord's timing is always perfect. It's always perfect. Psalm 41 through 3, I love this passage from David when he says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He set my feet on the rock and he put a new song in my mouth. And we're going to see this happen today in this man. So wait patiently for the Lord. Wait patiently for him and his timing. So this man's in position to encounter Christ. And the time is coming for his deliverance. Isn't that exciting to, to, to read and to see that this man who has been waiting, who has heard about Christ, 
His time is coming. Verse 38, we see the next condition of faith is that Bartimaeus was humble. He was humble. We see this in his request. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He cries a very simple cry. Have mercy on me, son of David. Like David, it is interesting, cries out in Psalm 34 that the Lord heard him and rescued him from all of his troubles. That psalm has been so powerful to me when I'm in a situation of desperation or in affliction or in trouble of crying out to God for him to answer me in my situation. It says in Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted this, this year? Are you crushed in spirit today? Has it been a hard couple of weeks? Has it been a hard year in 2021? Well, come to God with humility. Come to him. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. That encourages me so much. The Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So this is a general cry for help from Bartimaeus. He was humble and helpless. And we know that blindness would humble anyone. We see this in the Apostle Paul's life as well. Remember his conversion experience on the road to Damascus? He meets the Lord and a blinding light comes and he can't see. He opened his eyes and couldn't see anything for three days. And he's contemplating, right? He was humbled by that experience. He was forced to deal with it. And God humbles us to be forced to deal with him in our life. If we're running away from him, he humbles us. But then he gives grace to the humble, which is a beautiful thing to see. And so we, and we see the same cry from the publican earlier in chapter 18. The Pharisee thinks that he's righteous and he's happy. He's not like this sinner over here. and He's doing all these things for God and his heart is totally wrong. And we see the tax collector, the publican, he can't even look up to heaven. He has to say, have mercy on me, a sinner. And have you ever experienced that in your own life? Have you cried out to God and asked the Lord to have mercy on you? We all have done that, whether it's been in our car, it's been in the house, in a room. We've all cried out to the Lord. But he hears those cries. So what is humility, right? We talk about being humble and humility. It's having a proper view of ourselves and our spiritual condition. In Philippians 2, Christ is the ultimate example of humility, of coming down on earth and humbling himself, taking the form of a servant. He came to serve and not be served. We see Romans 12, 3, for by the grace given to me, Paul writes, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given to each of you. Matthew 5, 3 says, blessed in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The spiritually bankrupt. And Bartimaeus understood this. And we have to understand this if we're going to truly meet the Lord and be changed by him. It's to be humble, to have a proper view of ourselves. I heard, heard a saying that I like a lot, and it's there are those who are humble and those who are going to be humbled in life. <laughs> Happens to me all the time in my own life. I, still, I think I've got it. I'm like, Lord, I got you. I am humble, and something else happens to humble me. But God gives grace for those times also. And, there, and every Christian is the hallmark of a Christian trait is humility. Being clothed in humility, it's a beautiful thing to see, that that's the Jesus that we're following. So we have to see ourselves and recognize our need. This is where the rich young ruler fell short. He couldn't do that. He couldn't let go. He was too prideful. And so we see next that Bartimaeus was hungry. Bartimaeus was hungry. Verse 39 says, Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
It's interesting to think, to note, you would think the crowds would want him to be healed. At least I would, that they would want him to see this man, to get his sight back and, and rejoice and say, yeah, come on, man, come join, come join us. But we see, they tell him to be quiet and say, Christ doesn't have time for you. You're, you're hopeless. Your situation is hopeless. There is no time for you. Just be quiet. But when you're desperate for the Lord, you don't care about obstacles or opposition or people that get in the way. You just want the Lord when you're desperate. Have you ever been desperately in need for the Lord? I know I have. Bartimaeus didn't care what they thought. He only had his eyes fixed on the Lord, which really he couldn't even see at that time. But that's what his mind was fixed on the Lord. So have you ever cried out to God? Have you ever hungered for God in this way? He will answer that cry. Paul in Galatians 1.10 says, if he was seeking the approval of man, he would not be a servant of Christ. And this is a huge step in our walks with the Lord, is making it public, Right? I remember when I got baptized, it was a huge deal because I was telling people in public, I'm a Christian now and I'm stepping out in faith. But this is our call to make a public profession of faith. Our call is to be outspoken about it and not shy and not shrink back, but be confident about who Jesus is. When we earnestly seek him in desperation, like we see here from Bartimaeus. We also see this too, that Jesus does care for individuals. He has compassion and he cares for each of us there are billions of people in the world, and even for me, it's easy to think, well, Jesus cares about me in my situation, really? Adam, he cares about me? I'm one person. But we see in this text, Jesus cares for individuals. He sees your situation, he knows every detail of it, and he wants you to come to him in faith, to trust in what he can do, to heal you, right? To give you a second chance, if you've messed things up before. He does love you and cares about you. So, Bartimaeus was hungry, it's the next condition of faith. We need to hunger for the Lord, hunger and thirst for righteousness. As a deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Verse 40, we see that Bartimaeus gave an honest confession. He gave an honest confession. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. And when he stops, the crowd stops. And he commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him. Verse 41, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. The question he'd been waiting to hear his whole entire life in this situation. So Jesus hears this cry. He sees the persistence of this man. He sees his faith. And he says, call him over. And so in Mark's gospel, he writes that Jesus stops and tells the people to call him to himself. And we see the crowd's tone has now changed. The crowd tells him, take, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. What a powerful statement that Jesus is calling for you. Would you hear that this morning, that Jesus is calling for you? He is calling for you to come and follow him, to come and be made well. So that first step of obedience for Bartimaeus is to come to Jesus. That's the first step of his confession. So what does he do? The time is here. And he says, Jesus says, come, come to me, all who are weary, come. He's calling for you. Are you going to listen or are you going to harden your heart this morning? Maybe you've thought about this before. You've thought about following Christ. He's called you before. And you're like, not yet, Lord. I'm, I'm almost there. I'm ready to give it up. I'm close, but not quite. He is calling for you. We see him throw aside his cloak and he jumps up and he comes to Christ. His cloak is pretty much all that he has to keep him warm. 
But he says, I'm done with that because I know things are about to change. Isn't that an awesome feeling to have that things are about to change? He's here. You see the excitement in his heart? Can you feel it? The desperation? Now we see Christ question him, and it's the second step of obedience, which is confession. Confession. And what did Jesus ask him? What do you want me to do for you? Now, he, could, he knew he was blind. He could have asked him, do you want to be healed of your blindness? But he didn't ask him that. He asked him an open-ended question to give Bartimaeus a chance to confess what he believed Christ could do in his life. This man could have asked for money or for food, but he asked for a miracle. He made a large request. He had the faith to make this request. And all beggars didn't have this faith. All beggars didn't ask for this. In the book of Acts, I thought about when Peter and John are going to the temple and they pass a beggar asking for alms. And what does Peter tell him? He says, we have no money to give you at all. But what we can give you, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. So he was surprised by that. He didn't have the faith. He asked for money. This man asked for a miracle. And we need to believe that Jesus can still work miracles. Being saved is a miracle in itself. And so we ask in faith without doubting. And God will answer that prayer. Jesus said those who are sick need a physician. So we have to know this in order to get help from the physician, from the doctor. You have to admit something is wrong. Some of us are not a huge fan of going to doctors and admitting something is wrong. I fall in that category. But when situations become so dire, you admit, hey, something is wrong here. I need help. And that is what the Lord will do if we will come to him. And so the question we ask was, well, Adam, how do I know my present condition? How do I know if I need help? Well, the Bible says in the book of James that the word of God is like a mirror. And it shows us who we truly are. And the person who hears and doesn't do is like a man who leaves and forgets what they look like. So if we go to God's word every single day, it will show us our condition. And the, God's word says, what's our natural spiritual condition? Is one of sin. That's our ultimate problem. And Jesus is the great physician and the great healer. And so the Bible tells us how we can be healed. And so I pray that if you'd never done that, that you would do that this morning. That you would make that decision to say, I have an issue, I have a problem. I want healing this year in 2022. I want healing. I want to follow Christ this year. I'm going to be honest with the Lord this year. We can be honest with the Lord. He sees our condition. He sees what's going on. We don't have to try to fake it for him. We can be honest with the Lord. He can take it. And that's what we are to, how we are to be with him, is be honest with him. And so Christ had a way of open, or asking these open-ended questions. He is all-knowing, but he wants to see this man's faith, this man's confession. And we know from Scripture that confession with a mouth is powerful. Amen? Romans 10, 8 through 10 tells us if we believe in our hearts that Christ died on the cross and rose again and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. Confession is powerful to save you. Right? And so have you done this in your own life? And what did Bartimaeus say? He says the word Lord, right? That Greek word implying authority in a Mark's rendition of this account. He says Rabboni. He says Master, Lord. Have you confessed Jesus as Lord in your own life? Many times we can confess him as Savior, it's easier to do that, but to confess him as Lord is to give him authority in our lives, over every area in our lives. He wants every room in the house. There's a pamphlet out there called My Heart, Christ's Home that I really enjoy, and he wants 
control over every rule, even the ones we don't want to give up and say, well, Lord, you can have this day and that day, this activity, but uh, not this one over here. And in our discipleship and our sanctification, this is what we are to do is to make him Lord in every area as you learn how to walk with God, as you learn how to surrender and submit. Give him control of your life, of living a spirit-filled life. And he will give it purpose. It will be used by him. And it is a joy to do that. So would you, do that? Would you trust him with every area of your life today? If there's some, even this year, maybe there's one thing that you've been waiting to not want to give up yet. And you're like, 2022, I'm going to do it. Well, commit to doing that this year. Find accountability. Find someone to help you do that. Let's walk after Jesus together and help each other out in that as a church. So maybe you need to get up and come to him today and do it for the first time. Maybe you're in the crowd and today's a day you could do that for the first time and say, this year, I want to give Jesus Lordship of my life for the first time. Because Christ said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest for your souls. Are you worn, worn out and tired? Was it, has it been a hard season? Come to Jesus and find rest for your souls. Follow him wholeheartedly this year, 2022. Sin can blind us. Maybe sin's been just, just, just totally winning in your life and dominating. Well, confess that sin. Find healing with a brother or sister. Confess that to the Lord. And you can have victory over that sin this year or whatever struggle you have in your own life. The Holy Spirit gives us power to have victory, to present our members as instruments of righteousness to God, not as members of sin. So make that decision and commitment this year. But first, we have to be honest about our present condition. And every year, at end of the year, I like to be honest as we reflect on the previous year and the year coming forward and say, who have I been? How has this year gone? And what do I want from this coming year? An opportunity. Even today, you can start today. Today is an opportunity that you have. Make the most of every day. So Bartimaeus was desperate. He had lost his sight. He was hoping and praying for a second chance, but he had met the one who specializes in second chances. And I love that. That's what struck me when I read this story, him getting a second chance at life again. And we're going to see next to the results of that, the results of his second chance. Because he could have been healed and said, thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. And then walked the other way and said, I'm going to do what I want to do. But that's not what he does. We see him get healed and say, I'm going to follow this man that I placed my faith in. And so Christ can restore you if you've wasted time. I thought about the apostle Peter and his own life and his denials of Christ. He was a he made the confession, the great confession, and he denied Christ three times, and he felt like a failure. And Jesus came, and he recommissioned him. And that story touches me, because I've done the same thing in my own life. We've all done that. We've all failed the Lord and felt unworthy. And he comes and commissions us, recommissions us, and he says, come follow me. I can use you. You're humble. I can use you. So get back in the game. Get back in the game. If that's you this morning. So the results of faith, verse 42 First one we see is healing. And Jesus says to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight. I'm going to pause there in the word. To regain his sight was a compound word being to look up. He was given a second chance to look up. Right? His faith had made him well. In the New American Standard Bible, it says it's literally has saved you. His faith has saved you. And in the same way, faith alone in Christ is what saves us. And it's beautiful because this is the gospel coming from darkness into marvelous light. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, 
The Peter I just mentioned here writes this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't it marvelous for this man to be called out of darkness and the first face that he sees is Jesus, the person he has put his faith in? Just the joy in his heart, the tears in his eyes, he can see again, he has life again. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Have mercy on me, son of David. So we know the enemy blinds the minds of unbelievers, but the Lord can remove the scales from any set of eyes and bring us to saving faith in Christ. Christ is our great physician, the ultimate healer. It's worth mentioning here that does this mean that every sickness results in healing? And the answer would be no, it doesn't, in physical healing. We can't put the Lord into a box or into an equation and say every time this is going to happen. But we earnestly pray and we seek for healing. And James 5 tells us this, to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. And we earnestly pray for God to heal us physically. But what's more important is us being healed spiritually from our spiritual sinful condition. And a true test of discipleship is we follow Christ even if he doesn't do what you want him to do. I love the story in Daniel about his friends when they were tested to bow down. And they say, even if he does not save us, we're not going to do it. Even if he does not. And that is the heart that we have toward the Lord. We're going to follow you whether he heals him or not. Whether he heals us or not. But what we, as we know, our outer body is wasting away. Our inner person is being renewed day by day. And one day we won't have to deal with that. The sickness, the ailments that we face. Jesus is the great physician. Nothing is too hard for him. So this is powerful to see this. So now the results of faith we see, well, what is he going to do now? What is Bartimaeus going to do now that he can see? This is a joyful occasion. I'm sure the crowds are cheering at this point to see what happened. Verse 43 says, Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. This is the power of Jesus Christ of being blind for Bartimaeus and despondent, waiting and hoping. And now we see a picture of joy. We see a picture of him following Jesus. This is the call for each one of us who have experienced our eyes being opened. And not from a distance, not keeping him just far enough away from us where we can do our thing, but we still see him, right? We're up close and personal with our eyes fixed on him, asking him where to go and what to do and how to live and how to make decisions in our life. Bartimaeus went from being helpless to being hopeful. He had a choice to make, but this man had changed him. The God man had changed him and he was gonna follow Christ now. And this happens in our life when we've encountered the Lord's healing. We want to follow him. It's not a chore. It's not a task that we do in drudgery. We want to follow him. Does that mean it's going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy, contrary to many teachings out there. But we have the strength and the power to walk through trials and afflictions. And this is the Christian life. Amen? So are you following Christ in this way? Hard and fast? Are you obeying his word? 
Are you putting your faith in him, fixing your eyes on him, or are your eyes on the crowds, on those around, on the circumstances surrounding your life? So this involves obedience, right? This is a great commission that we discuss, our church's mission of making disciples of all nations, teaching them what Jesus commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We should choose to follow Christ. It's a decision we make every day of our life to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus with all that we have. All that we have. This is the call. This is discipleship. This is discipleship. And it's not an option to be a disciple. It is our calling to obey the words of Christ. So he gets in line. He was on the sideline. Now he's back in the game. He's on the way now. He's following the way, as we see in Scripture. And we see him, what what does he do next? We see him glorifying God. This is worship. This is a natural byproduct of saving faith in Christ. It's a beautiful worship service we had earlier, singing those songs of who God is and ascribing glory to his name, making his name great. And once you've had this healing, this spiritual healing in your life, to come to saving faith in Christ and experience the joy and the power of the Holy Spirit, this is a byproduct of worship. And the good and the bad, when times are going well and when times are hard. And it is hard to worship in times when they're difficult. But the Holy Spirit and the Lord gives us the power to do that. And that is spiritual maturity. And that's what he's doing here. He's glorifying God. We as Christians, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, should do all for the glory of God. That's our heart. So others, we see next, others will see our lives and give him glory. I love how John the Baptist they came to him and said, well, Jesus is over there getting all the attention now. Well, what are you going to do about that? And he said, he must increase and I must decrease. And this is the heart. This is humility. This is our hearts. We used to live for ourselves. Like, I used to live for myself and what I want to do to make my name great, to be somebody. And then you meet the Lord and you say, I don't care about that anymore. I want to make his name great and I want to follow him. We want to glorify God, not ourselves. And I love these verses in John 17, 4 through 5. Jesus says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus is God. He existed at the beginning with God. And he accomplished the work that God gave him to do. So this morning, are you accomplishing the work that God has given you to do? in your sphere of influence, in your life, at your workplace, in your family. Each of us has an assignment that's different from the other person. Each of us has a calling and a purpose for our life. There's a work that God has given you to do. And it's your heart to accomplish this. Christ is our example, but that's our heart, to accomplish this. So what is that work? Well, sharing the gospel with people, sharing the good news of Jesus, loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, loving others as ourselves, making disciples, teaching them like we discussed earlier, performing good works, like Ephesians 2 says, that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, being obedient, obeying the words of Christ. This is where it can be difficult sometimes. This is where it takes a lot of faith to obey the words of Jesus. But we have the ability to do that. I read this, John 14, 23, and I love this, that if anyone loves me, this is Jesus speaking, he will keep my words. And then him and the Father will come and they will be with them and have intimacy with them, is what the scripture is saying. But if you love Jesus, if you really love him, you want to keep his word. 
If you want intimacy with him, that's my desire that you'd want that this morning. You want intimacy with the Lord this year. That he would come and transform your life. And the third thing we see is that we see others glorifying God. So they witnessed a miracle. Jesus performed many miracles. But they give glory to God for what happened. They give praise to God for what happened. They worship. Matthew 5 and 16, 17, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells his listeners in the same way, let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that's our desire, that's our desire and our hope that, we would, that others would glorify God because of our life. And that involves what we do and also what we say. I was challenged by this too of how am I speaking about God in my life? How am I speaking about situations and circumstances and things going on? Do I speak like God is there and he cares about me and he's faithful to provide, that he's faithful um, to give me the things I need when I need them? Or do, I find, or, or do I complain more often than not about my situation and about things going on and, and people and how God hasn't come through yet? And so scripture says, do all things without complaining. And I'm challenged by that myself. Do I, am I talking like I'm a faithful person? My words and actions. And so I pray that that would be your goal this year too, is to follow Christ in action and also how we speak about him and how we speak about that to others who are lost to say, man, this, they have so much patience in this trial. How is that? They just know God's going to provide for them. Man, I want to put my trust in a God like that. That should be our heart and how we live our life. And so as we wrap this up this morning, I want to finish talking to three groups of people that we may have here listening today. And the first is those disciples or followers of Christ who have done this. They have, their eyes are open. They've placed their faith and trust in Christ and they're following Jesus with a whole heart. They're right there next to him with a humble heart, eyes fixed on him, living an obedient Christian life. And that is to excel still more, as Paul would say, to keep going, to continue in perseverance and steadfastness, as Stevie taught us last night, to be steadfast in the Lord through trials. This season has been a good season. We know hard ones are coming. We don't look for those, but we find steadfastness in the Lord when those times come. As you would pursue holiness and sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. But that would be your desire this morning. And then, the, or those of you that used to have your eyes on Christ, used to follow him closely, used to obey his word, but sin has blinded you, sin's kind of been dominating you, circumstances have overwhelmed you, pain has taken over, Joy is gone, you're tired, you're worn out. You used to be in the game, but have been on the sidelines for a while. What does Christ want to do with me now? I've blown up, I've messed up. And Jesus says, get back in the game this year. Get up, throw away your cloak. He is calling for you to come back. He is calling for you to come back. Cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And we have to believe in that and trust in it that God specializes in second chances. We see him use broken people all the time. And he can use you too if it's been a rough year. Because I know for me in a lot of ways it has been. But God is faithful. So would you do that this morning? And then those who have maybe never placed their faith in Christ before. You've never made this decision to make Jesus Lord of my life. I've never prayed through Romans 8, 10, 8 through 10. You've heard things about Jesus. You've heard he's pretty good some good teachings, but you've never, has there been a moment you've confessed this in your heart? Confess Christ as Lord. I'm going to obey you, Jesus. I'm going to give my life to you. It's, it's kind of scary for me. It's uncertain about what's going to, what that's going to look like, but I can't deny the truth that you came 
and died for my sin and rose again on the third day and that you are alive and that you can open my eyes and heal me. And if that is you this morning, I pray you'd make that decision today. That Jesus is calling for you. You're sitting there helpless in your life right now and Jesus is calling for you. Will you respond to him? Do not, as we said in our psalm, do not harden your hearts like the Israelites who saw Jesus provide and still said, I'm not going to believe. Do not harden your hearts this morning. Open your heart to Jesus and follow him with a whole heart, with all you have today. Put your faith in him like Bartimaeus did and come and be healed and come and find joy to follow him, to glorify God, to have others glorify God. Because Jesus gives us second chances. And you're alive today and you have a second chance. So walk by faith this year in 2022. I'm going to pray for us as our team comes back up as we finish our time. So as I pray for us, I want us to consider our words today and consider where we're at with the Lord today. The Bible says to examine yourselves and see if you're in the faith. Test yourselves to see where you're at. So I plead with you today that you would examine your heart and how you are with Jesus this this morning. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for this story, this narrative of this man, Bartimaeus, and how you healed him, how you provided for him. Lord, I pray that if we're in a position of helplessness, that we would turn to you for healing. If we've been out of the game, that we would get back in the game that you give us a second chance, Lord. And if someone here today in their own heart has never made you Lord of their life, that they would confess this today and tell someone about it, that Jesus is Lord, that you would open their eyes to your truth, that they would be healed from their sin. So Holy Spirit, just penetrate our hearts right now and convict us and encourage us. So we love you, we praise you, Lord, and we give you all the glory that you deserve. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.